And as we turn there to John, and we're going to sum up a couple of thoughts as, as we continue to move forward in the Gospel of John as we move towards Easter. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could come together and worship you and study your word together. We, we ask that, uh, Lord, you would help us to see the areas in our lives that we, we need to change or how we, we can be more fully committed to you, Lord, as we study this passage. And we, we thank you for another opportunity to worship you as we, we sing songs that I, I trust and pray, Lord, have spoken to each one here today, encouraging them, uh, strengthening them but also worshiping you as we study your word together, Lord. And, and may each one of us, as we look to your word, um, see how we, throughout the week, can give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're going to kind of do an overview of John 1, 1 uh, to 12, verse 50. And a few weeks ago, we identified... Um, you know, I, I think we identified what this this is, right? This is a hammer, right? It's very useful. This is a little one. You know, a little hammer is used to nail in little things so that you don't bend it when you hit it too hard, right? Everybody know that? I still bend them. They shouldn't be so small. And this is what? This is a this is oh, this is a girl's hammer. I was going to say, John's saying this is a hammer. Is he right? No. These are a pair of pliers, right? They're used for different things. Okay, good. We're clear on that. This, a hammer is a hammer is a girl's hammer. A pair of pliers is a pliers is a... Also a hammer. Okay, well... But we can identify what these are, right? Hopefully, kids. So if, if your dad says or mom says, give me a hammer, you know what to get. A pair of pliers, right? My girl's paying attention. A pair of pliers. You may not be able to find them. I never put them back where I should. But a pair of pliers, okay? Now, we can identify them. And as we go through the Gospel of John, he wants them to identify who the Messiah is. The Messiah is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, let's change gears a little bit, okay? Uh, the news. John mentioned, John Block mentioned a little bit ago as we were singing songs, you know, and as we're studying John 14, 1 through 6, do not let your hearts be troubled. Why? Believe in God, believe also in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And his promises. There's a lot of things in the news that could be, whoa, that's weird or that's scary. Where is it going to lead us? What's going on? I'm sick of this, right? Anybody there? No? Maybe? Okay. So this week I want to change it. Let's, let's think about some fa- There is fascinating news too, Okay. Did you hear about the fascinating news this week? There's probably, hopefully a lot of fascinating news. Can you see that picture? Can you read it? You know what they found? There's a sea creature, right? See that? The endurance. Anybody know about the endurance? 
is in the newspaper as well. Okay. My family's excited about it because there's a man who's related on the endurance with my family on the Bakewell side. His name is William Lincoln Bakewell. And anyway, there were the ship endurance was found two miles under the ocean and four miles from the spot where it sank. And this was a ship that went to Antarctica with 28 men. It sank on November 21st, 1915 with Sir Ernest Shackleton, but he and his 28 men survived in Antarctica and made their way back. And from, it was a total of 24 months and 22 days from departure to recovery. Now, William Lincoln Bakewell, he, I guess, helped a stowaway get on board. How would you like to stow away on a ship that's going to sink? Some good life decisions right there. He also helped to retrieve film off the ship before it sank, and I believe there's a lot. He helped the photographer get those. But they were able to crawl off the ship over the ice, and eventually they made it back. But it's easy. Look, it's easy. I mean, maybe in this picture it's hard, but I'm, I'm getting back to my point, you know, fascinating news. Uh, but also identification, right? Now, the ship is easy to identify. You can still read it. It's in pristine condition. You can read it, right? Can you read that? It has a name written right across there. You can identify it. Now, we from the Word of God, should be able to identify who Jesus is, that He is the Messiah. And the religious leaders of Jesus' day and the people of Jesus' day should have been able to identify that He is the Messiah, the Son of Man, the Son of God. Plenty of evidence. Now here you can see, hey, this is really a ship. Look, you even... Uh, whatever that is. The steering wheel. I know it's not called the steering wheel. Um, but some things are very evident. And, and what we find in the Gospel of John is very evident. To po- it, it points to the evidence that Jesus is the Messiah. And what God did... Was profound. That is so easy. Should have been so easy for people to realize who Jesus was. God really always gives us the best, doesn't He? He gave them the best. He gave us the best, Jesus Christ, and He revealed Jesus in profound ways. But the thing is, and we discuss this frequently, is that what is best oftentimes never seems to be good enough for sinful humanity. And you're, 
there's many of you in ministry that you're not a pastor, but you're, you teach or you're involved in people's lives and you want them to see the reality of who Jesus is. You want them to identify that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man that is fully God, fully man, and he came specifically to die for sinful humanity so that we could be redeemed, so we could be saved from our sins and have eternal life. We want people to know him and we want other believers who, who have trusted in Him to be assured of where they stand in Him and really understand the reality of Jesus and the security they can have in Him that there is no fear, no worries about our eternal future or even about our earthly future, right? Does that make sense? And John really paints a wonderful picture for us as he writes the Gospel of John. And so I want us to look at some key truths here. You know, and, and if we were to hone in on a couple of verses, we're going to jump all over the first section of the Gospel of John but if we're going to hone into one section here, it would be the end of chapter 12. Let me read this for you. John 12, 44 says, And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. Again, to the religious leaders and to the Israelites, the Jews, Hey, if you believe in me, you're believing in the God of the Bible, the God of the, our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jehovah. Verse 45, he who sees me sees the one who sent me. <laughs> I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Whoa, that reminds me of John 3.17 and following, right? But look at what 48 says. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. Ouch. Right? For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father Himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. And so as I was studying this passage and, and wanting to move on into uh, the upper room discourse or the, the message of the last night before Jesus was hauled away and, and put on trial and killed, I wanted to focus on this and try to conclude the first section here. And what we find here, and as we review these, these points or these key uh, statements by John as he points to the validity and the reality of who Jesus is, uh, we see that there, there is a powerful witness. A powerful witness, which again was not enough. And so in 44 through 46, these testify. What Jesus had said to testify, what he had did testify to who he is. Testify or witness. 
And we, if we go back and let's look at all the witness about who Jesus is, okay? Those who proclaimed or, the, or those who spoke to the reality of who Jesus is in the first section here. And we first think of John the Baptist and his testimony, his witness. In John 1, 7, it says that he, and it's speaking of John the Baptist, he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. He came to testify about who Jesus is. Then he proclaimed the message again that Jesus is a Lamb of God, right, when he first saw him. In John 5.36 it says, But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. That is the witness which I have. This is Jesus saying, The witness or testimony that I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. Again, verse 36 could go with our second point. Well, I have it here because it's important for you to see that John testified. Okay? But hold on to this verse in John 5.36. And really what I did was a simple word study. And I didn't get all of them. The first word study is witness or testify. How many times is it used in this first section or in the Gospel of John? Second word is, anybody remember one of the words that we were talking about? Signs or works or miracles. And you find that in this verse as well. The works could go along with as, as an equal word to that of signs that Jesus performed. But John 10.41, going back to this first word study of witness or testify, we see that John was a witness to the reality of who Jesus is. Then we could go back into the study of who John the Baptist was and why he should be believed and why it's so Vital for us to understand that John the Baptist pointed to Jesus. But John 10.41, as we move along, many came to him. It says in John 10.41, many came to him and were saying, while John performed no sign, yet everything John said about this man was true. John was a powerful prophet, yet they said, oh, he didn't really perform the signs that Jesus is performing, but yet what he said about Jesus is true. So we have John the Baptist as a witness. We have the Father's witness. Jesus, the Father, and the signs along with the teaching brought Nicodemus to to the Lord Jesus in John chapter 3. And the challenge was for Nicodemus and all the religious leaders of Jesus' day um, that they would believe Jesus' testimony, the signs' testimonies, the Father's testimony, and the testimony of John the Baptist. John 3.11 states, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony or our witness. To, to go on and, and point out the Father's testif- the Father testified, or the Father's testimony that Jesus was His Son in John 5.31. John 5.31 Jesus said, if I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. And at the end of that little section in John 5.39, if you remember a few weeks ago as we studied this, Jesus said, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. 
And Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders about the validity of the Father and the Son's testimony, and as well as the Old Testament, the law, the testimony of the law that they should have seen, because they kept going back. Well, Moses said this, and it's fascinating. Remember all the the allusions or 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 ways in which Jesus pointed that he is the bread of life, the manna from heaven, or the light, and how that goes back to the Old Testament, or that Jesus is a living water. And the things that they did to celebrate what God had done in the past and how they pointed to Jesus. These were testimonies, these witness to the reality that Jesus is in fact who he said he is. In John 10, 25, Jesus answered them. And so here, we see not only how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament, not only that the Father was proclaiming through the Old Testament and through Moses and the law who Jesus is, but the signs and the works themselves testified. And so in John 10, 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. And then in John 12, 17, it says, so the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify about him. So not only the works that were done, and so in John Chapter 11, Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead and then people began to come see not only Jesus, but they wanted to see the reality that Jesus brought someone from the dead. They were coming to see Lazarus. And then here in John 12, it points to, and then John 12, 17, the verse that I just read, that these people who saw that Lazarus was raised from the dead, they themselves testified or witnessed, this is what Jesus did. And so the works testify to who Jesus is, Right? Is it enough? <laughs> Look at John 10, 25. In John 10, 25, it says, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they testify of me. We can go to John 7, 7. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil not only that jesus is the messiah but that the world is evil therefore there's hate that's building up for those unwilling to believe in the lord jesus john 8 14 jesus answered and said to them even if i testify about myself my testimony is true for i know where i came from and where i am going but you do not know where i come from or where i am going his testimony is true. But they're unwilling to believe in Him. And therefore, they're unwilling to believe in the One who sent Him. They're unwilling to believe what Jesus will do again, where He came from. But this powerful witness and the witnesses were not enough. We're not enough. It is, though they, it is as though they saw the picture of the evidence of the endurance, but they would not believe it was what it says it is, right? That's pretty clear, right? Two miles down, four miles from its original location where it sank. Oh, it's too far. That's not it. I don't care what it says across there or how well-preserved in the cold waters of Antarctica it is. (laughs) You know, I don't even believe that's a ship, right? 
I don't believe the words on it. It's like Jesus standing before them and they, they should be able to see him, especially after the resurrection. And so there's more who witness who Jesus is, John and the disciples. And as we go to Acts chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 3, right? Am I right? Or 1? I'm getting all mixed up. I used to have it. Over 500 witnesses. 500 brethren at one time saw Jesus alive after his death, burial, and resurrection. Is it enough? You know, there are people today who deny that Jesus even existed. There are people today who, and I was just reading in Israel my glory about some in Palestine who are twisting some of the words of Jesus to actually begin to persecute and to say, no, we have to take over this land. We have to get rid of the Jews. It kind of reminds you back of the back in the day of the 30s and 40s with Nazi Germany, twisting even Scripture to, and who Jesus was and is to do what they want to do. Okay, this is the endurance. Is a, it's a ship, right? It's like saying, no, that's not a ship. It's a time capsule. Well, maybe it is. So that's a bad illustration. It's used for something totally different. Or saying it doesn't exist even when you see the picture. Somebody made that picture up. It's amazing what they can do with with technology today, right? They didn't really find it. There was never an expedition by uh, Sir Shackleton. So it's never good enough. The best, God gave us the best in His Son, Jesus Christ, and the best by testifying who He is, but it's still not enough for sinful humanity. And the question is for us today, is it enough for us? We also see need to review the magnificent signs, which we already got into, and I've already taken way too much time, but the magnificent signs were not enough. John 12, 37. In John 12, 37, remember... We were looking at this here just a few minutes ago, and it says in John twelve thirty seven. Actually, we were looking at forty uh, four through forty nine, but in thirty seven it says, "But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing him." And then John ten twenty five kind of crosses uh, over from the last thought to the current. Which says in John 10.25, Jesus answered them, I told you that you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. These testify of me. These signs pointed to Jesus. Well, these signs piqued their interest, right? In John 6.2, a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. In John 6.14, it says, therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the, the prophet who is to come into the world. Okay, yeah, he's a prophet. It's, this is cool. Let's follow him. They followed him. They followed him not only because it piqued their interest, but because the signs also fed them, right? John 6, 26, Jesus answered him and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Remember that? We talked about that. 
In verse 30 of chapter 6, it goes on to say, So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? That was right after he had performed the miraculous sign of the feeding of more than the 5,000. The signs were magnificent, though, weren't they? John 11 and I, I mentioned John 12, go back to John 12, but John 11, again, Lazarus, but John 12, 17 through 19. Let's look at these verses again. So the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify about him. For this reason, also the people went and met him because they heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. So there were many following Jesus. And there's also this, this weak faith of those who were going after him to see these wonderful signs, but yet a lack of full faith. And also extreme unbelief and hatred by the religious leaders. We're going to put an end to it shortly. But the signs were not enough for most to believe. Many did not believe. There were many that believed, but many who did not. In John 2.18 said, The Jews then said to him, What sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? And at that point they hadn't seen many, but they saw plenty throughout his life to believe. In John 9.16, therefore some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. So they were more concerned about the law, which Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and the miracle that testified to who he is. But there was faith, right? There's many verses if we go into it. John 2.11, John 2.23, John 3.2, 4.48, John 7.31 says, but many of the crowd believed in him. And they were saying, when the Christ comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? In John 15, 24, it says, If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not, would not have sinned. But now they both, both have seen and hated me and my Father as well. For those who did not believe, they were condemned in their sin. And for us today, if we do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins, we are condemned. To not decide to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is to decide not to believe. To, to say, I'm going to wait to make a decision is to make a decision to not yet believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when is enough enough? I mean, John... The Apostle John, who wrote the Gospel of John in John 20, 
verse 30 says, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. There were many things that Jesus did to to prove that he is the Messiah, that we must believe in him. When is enough enough? You know, even if some, you know, let's say for instance, what if we were able to take a submarine and go down and look at the ship ourselves? Would if The reality is many people, if they could see Jesus, would still not believe. There were many who were there who would not believe as if they were even on the submarine able to see the evidence for themselves, unwilling to believe. And you're saying, well, you're preaching to the choir, preacher. I've believed. If you have believed in the Lord Jesus, this should encourage you. Okay? In a world that's messed up today, maybe family that's messed up, maybe we've messed up, take courage. John 14, 1, right? You know, there's times that enough should be enough for me when I'm eating a really good meal or a not so good meal. I just keep eating. Enough should be enough. God knew what we needed and He gave us more than enough to believe. Which means He gave us more than enough to have continued confidence even in the midst of a frustrating week, a frustrating day, a heart-wrenching year. Take courage. Be encouraged. You know, also, be encouraged. God is still at work. Even if the world and the magnificent signs were not enough, even if it is not enough for sinful humanity, God is still at work. There's always hope that many would believe. Move along here real quickly. Let's look at uh, and review his profound teaching. In verse 47 through 50 in John chapter 12, Jesus goes on and talks about his sayings, and that the, these sayings, what he had taught, what he had proclaimed, will judge them. And as we go through the passage, if we were to review this, this first section, we see in John seven fourteen through 18 that Jesus had profound teaching, which was a witness. And they, they, validated, they were validated by the signs, but these profound teachings witnessed were a witness, a testimony of who Jesus is. And they, put, they not only did that, but they put, pointed to the profound relationship between the Father and the Son. Right? In John 8, 28, so Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. Jesus had a direct line of communication with the Father. That's why His teaching was so profound. But it points to the reality that He is God the Son. And His relationship with the Father is extremely profound. And because of that relationship with the Father, we too, because Jesus is our high priest, the only priest we need. Right? 
we ourselves can have a profound relationship with the Father. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Now look at the cross, right? What, why do we like to look at the cross? It reminds us of the reality of first, hopefully, who Jesus is, right? But what He has done. He died to pay the penalty for our sins. But we see an empty cross. Why is it empty? He didn't stay on the cross, did He? He didn't stay in the grave, did He? He rose again. And as we move towards Good Friday and Easter, we must celebrate and be encouraged that Jesus died so that we can made, be made new, so that we can have eternal life, so that we can uh, one day be with Him. Jesus is alive and He will set all things that are wrong. He will set those right. And so the question today as I went through a lot, of, a lot of Scripture, a lot of things, we ran through it really fast, right? I just want to challenge you, and as you look at the notes, I don't have kind of a children's notes that I had uh, for you the last couple of weeks, but I, also, I want you to go through these questions with your kids and with your spouse or by yourself and, and, and run through them. They may seem like silly questions, but I want you to ask yourself these questions. And, and I want you to ask is Jesus enough for me? Is He enough for me? Do you struggle with contentment? Do you struggle with depression? Do you struggle with afflictions, health problems, mental problems? Hurt from the past? And you say, whoa, 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 whoa. Do I still, is that in context, is Jesus enough for me? Yes, because I want you to understand, He should be enough for you even if He may not immediately cure or heal you. He is enough. Even if daily you are facing that depression that you have to deal with and it's really, really hard to see the light. Okay? You continue to cling to Him. Even if He doesn't take that away from you immediately. Even if you struggle with a little bit of that all your life, of that depression. Is He enough? Even if He doesn't take the turmoil away. Is it enough, even if things continue to escalate in the world scene? Is he enough? Is he enough if he takes your ministry away? Is he enough if he takes your family? If you were in Ukraine and you had to flee, reading some of the stories, people who had, had, had worked through, who are very highly educated and renowned renowned or known in their communities in their area one lady who has a high degree in education very well known very well sought after for her wisdom and her daughter fleeing leaving her husband behind 
being amongst other refugees, losing what seems like everything. If that were you, would you still cling to Jesus? Is He enough? Maybe for us it's, hey, I have a lot of blessings, you know? Maybe you have that fancy new car, that fancy new home where things are going well. Is Jesus enough to keep your attention? You know, what is best is generally not good enough for sinful humanity. Is it good enough for you? It doesn't mean you won't have struggles, but I want you in the midst of those struggles of, uh, that is struggling to say, oh, Jesus is enough. He is who I go to. He's the one and only one that I love. If he's the only one you love, then you'll love others. Okay, so that sounded bad, but he is the one I love. If you struggle with that, it is okay. But the answer must be, yes, Jesus, I will cling to you. When you focus on your relationship with Jesus, when you focus on Him, He will help you through the weak and the tough times and the tough moments. And so no matter what's going on, and I believe prophecy gives us encouragement when we see the world going into chaos, the Word of God, that is, gives us encouragement. But even if you don't know any of that, cling to Christ. Cling to Him. He should be enough to encourage you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your grace towards us and that while we were yet sinners, You, Lord Jesus, died for us so that we could be forgiven and have a new life in You and be brought into a family. Lord, that we would have a new future an eternal future, and that we would have the presence of your Holy